0: Who want to change the world? I think that's that's amazing, and it it shows the heart of our leaders here, Amen. It shows the heart of who we are as FFM. So please continue to keep those two young men in your prayers. All right, who's ready? Yeah. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter fourteen, verses twenty one and twenty two. For those of you who may not know, we're in a sermon series titled Red Sea Revelations. And this sermon series was birthed out of the wrestling we face with circumstances, the wrestling we, we face with tragedies. You know, we, we all go through some things that aren't fun, amen? And we're wrestling that question, God, what are you doing in this circumstance? So if you guys are there with me, we're going to continue this series as we go through the story of the Red Sea in verses 21 and 22. Here we go. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back to a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reading of the word. I pray, God, that we receive this word in our hearts and apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, come and take over. In Jesus' name, everyone said. I love this story of the Red Sea. As a matter of fact, I've always known about this story since I can remember because I used to watch this movie uh, called The Prince of Egypt. If anyone else watched The Prince of Egypt? we We got some people in the room. That used to be my favorite movie. Like, I used to love it so much, I don't even remember this, but supposedly, according to my parents, I would take off my shirt and put it on my head and let it fall like Pharaoh did in the movie. And I would always be yelling, let my people go, stuff like that. I don't, I don't remember that, but it's probably true. Um, but it's just super cool. Like, this has been a cool full circle moment for me, just knowing, uh, you know, I loved that movie as a child, but come to find out, as I began to build a relationship with God, it's so much more than a movie. It's a story that's life-changing, and not only life-changing, but it's been a story that for thousands of years has touched Generation after generation, an amazing reminder that our God is a miracle worker, amen? And he's still doing these miracles today. Like we look at the Red Sea and we see in a situation of impossible desperation, God acted mightily to deliver his people. And nothing in Israel's history provides a more remarkable example of God's intervention on their behalf. This story was in the second book of the Bible out of 66, but we see this story referenced all through Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. It was a powerful moment. And we know as believers of the Word of God that this was a miracle. The splitting of the Red Sea was a miracle. And I did some research this week, and as a matter of fact, there is proof that did did, This did happen. We see see it all through history. However, we know that evolutionists will try their best to, uh, to describe the miracle working hand of God as something that we can explain in our own eyes. But we need to understand that as believers, we need to have the faith to understand that a miracle isn't worth to be explained, only glorified. And we believe that. We rest on that. This was indeed a miracle. It was a supernatural event that marked the rest of history. But I want to focus on what God did in that moment for the Israelites. Because these people, they really needed a miracle. And this miracle, the splitting of the Red Sea, it solidified the freedom for the Israelites from Pharaoh and Egypt. As Don will continue with the sermon series, we're going to continue with the story as the seas began to fall over the enemies, I'll let Don take care of that, because Don just said 21 and 22, okay? So we're just going to stay there. And as beautiful as this miracle is for us, right, we love singing about the Red Sea. We love singing about this. But when you really think about it, this was not a moment where the Israelites wanted to sing and be happy. This was a difficult moment, As a matter of fact, I want to read real quick Psalm 77, verses 16 to 20, where the psalmist, he poetically describes the event that took place at the Red Sea. It says, When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the the hand of Moses and Aaron. It says that the waters were afraid. Lightning was being struck, rain was coming down. Like, grab a hold of this picture with me. This was not a sunny Sunday afternoon on Lake Templin. Where everybody's like, yay, let's go. No, like, they were trembling. They were freaking out. Like, look, some of y'all get, are, are freaking out if there's extra traffic in Centerville, okay? <laughs> Imagine how much trembling was happening in this moment for the Israelites. They just left Egypt, which was already crazy. Now they turn around and find out that the, is, the Egyptians are on their way to kill them. And not only are they about to get them, but they were just halted by a pillar of fire so behind them they see a pillar of fire right between them and their enemies and then now there's this sea and God decides to split it this was a, a scary moment and it, I really I really thought about that I'm like God this was this was not a fun moment for your people but then when you begin to understand the heart and character of God he did it on purpose because the truth about God, as we see in this story, is that in a difficult moment, God positioned his people between a rock and a hard place. Where if there was no way, they could get out of it on their own. There was no way, there was no form of hope or, or uh, a way of escape by their own power, by their own hand. It had to be, had to be a miracle. And God does the same thing in our lives, doesn't he? Sometimes he places us in a position right between a rock and a hard place where we can't get out of it on our own. But he does that on purpose to remind us, trust in me. Don't lean on your own understanding, but lean in my understanding. And this is the wrestling that we've been looking at with these Red Sea revelations to go deeper in the fact, why are these things happening in my life? And there's a, here's another truth about the circumstances we face. There's this thing that we bet on our lives called sin. And when we were born into this world, because of the fall of Adam and Eve, we have a natural sin that is birthed in us because we are a part of a broken world. And the sin that is in us, it's great. And Satan knows that. So Satan will try to keep us a slave to sin. And let's be really honest this morning, when we're on trial... When things begin to get tough, and it seems as though we're, go- we're not going to make it, we are tempted to turn back to those old ways for the false security that they offer. Let's be honest this morning. How many of us have been so desperate for freedom? We were so tired of Egypt. We were so tired of those drugs, so tired of the alcohol, so tired of that bitterness that we, be- we began making steps right? Towards the right direction. All right, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop doing this thing. I'm going to find that freedom. But then the difficulties of freedom start to grow in us, right? The the, the difficulties of withdrawals and and, and being in a broken world where you want to go back so much. And we get to this place where we left Egypt. We followed the pillars, but then we're on the shores of the Red Sea. And life just begins to get so hard and so tough that we begin to believe the lie from the devil that the only option, the best option in that moment is to turn around and head back to Egypt. But let me encourage somebody this morning. That's not what God has for you. Turning back to Egypt, God, God delivered you from Egypt for a reason and for a purpose, and that was not to go back. God has full freedom for you. There is liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is, and he wants to do a miracle in your life this morning. He really wants to do it in your life today. I believe that. So if, that, if, if you are that person, this message is for you. Where you're, where you're so tired of the struggle of freedom, God wants to split a seed for you. So when we look at this story, up to this point, the Israelites, they've seen the supernatural. Right? The Israelites, they saw the water turning into blood. That's supernatural. Yeah. They saw disgusting multitudes of frogs and locusts. They saw pillars of cloud and fire. They they saw many miracles. But it's interesting to me that the Israelites' freedom wasn't sealed. It wasn't complete until they walked through the Red Sea. Because it's one thing to see a miracle, but it's another thing to walk through a miracle. It's one thing to walk through the supernatural work of God, but it's another thing to see it secondhand. And this message is for also for the people that you have seen, you have witnessed miracles in other people's lives, where the, the only time you saw God move in crazy ways was secondhand. But God sees you this morning and says, hey, I see you. I see you when you struggle. I see you in your difficulty, and I want you to walk through a miracle today. And that's who our God is. And I know that you're here today and you're desperate. You're tired of the pain. You're tired of falling back to your sins. You're tired of being a slave to sin. I know that. And you're desperate for change and freedom. It's available. It is available in this room today. And it's on the other side of the sea, but you're going to have to walk through some things to really see it. The title of my sermon today is walking through a miracle. It's one thing to see it, it's another thing to walk through. And I believe that a shift is happening in the church. I believe that God is revealing himself to us more and more. And he even said it, the sooner the closer we get to the last days, I will reveal myself more and more to you. I believe that a shift is happening today. And miracles are happening, but the question of it is this. What is your position? In the miracle. Are you in a place where you're ready to receive the miracle as a blessing? Because here's another truth about this story. For one group of people, this was a gateway to freedom. But for another group of people, this was their graveyard. There were two outcomes at the Red Sea, life and death. And for us to really embrace this miracle as a gateway, we're going to have to embrace some things this morning. And please walk with me as we journey together through this story and as we embrace some things about the Red Sea. You guys still with me? So the first thing we need to embrace is that miracle was unexpected. Turn to your neighbor and say, the miracle? Let's try that again. Come on. Y'all do this with Don. Do it with me. Come on. Come on. I know I'm not dying, but come on. Let's try it again. Turn to your neighbor and say, the miracle was unexpected. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. This was an unexpected moment. The Israelites were not expecting the Red Sea to split. They weren't. The miracle consisted them of walking through the Red Sea. Have you guys ever been in a place when you asked God, why are you letting me go through this? You ask God, I prayed for a miracle, and this is the best you could give me? This is all you got? Like, come on now, let's let's be real. This, this is a really honest and transparent sermon series. Many of we have been there. But let me even take it deeper. Have you been there when you're actually faithful to God? Because it's one thing to mess up, be dumb, and embrace the consequences, but it's another thing when you're faithful. When you go to God and say, I've been faithful to the worship team every week. I've been faithful to youth group and children's ministry every week. And I'm still struggling with this. God, I've been faithful to my spouse and we're still heading towards the direction of divorce. God, I've been faithful. Isn't it difficult, church, when you are being faithful, but you're not seeing the fruits of your faithfulness? This is an honest place. It's an honest place that many of us have been in. It, it's hard because then you begin to doubt. You begin to doubt in God's goodness. You begin to doubt in his faithfulness. And you begin to have ask the question, is he even there? Is he even working? Is he really moving like he says he would? We begin to doubt. But this is why it's so important to understand who our God is. Whenever I'm in this place, I have to go back to this verse, Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways, declares the Lord, my ways. Here's the problem we forget that he's in charge. We forget that he's the deliverer, that he's the one that's trying to bring some breakthrough. It's not us. So through that, if for us to believe, God, I'm going to let you deliver me, we're going to have to submit to his process of healing and deliverance. Because I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, we have, we put more trust and faith in the Amazon delivery truck guy than in God. Let me explain. For all the ladies in here who use Amazon Prime, guys use it too, but watch, wow, just love it. So what do you do? You go on there, and you see your makeup. I'm, I'm, this is hypothetical, right? <laughs> go on Amazon. <laughs> this is not about anybody. You go on to Amazon, you see that, that, new, that new fresh brown shirt that you want to buy and wear at church. And you go to the cart, right, and it says... And it says, I love you. (laughs) The expected delivery is, what, a week, right? Five to six days. So you say, sounds good. I will wait for five days. I will wait for six days. I made my order, so I trust that it's gonna be delivered here. But when you think about it, you don't care if the delivery man is gonna come to your house on M66, M86, or Schimmel, you don't care. What do you care about it as long as it arrives at my doorstep, right? So how come when we pray to God for deliverance, we get violated, offended by his way on the journey towards deliverance? And then some pride begins to be revealed because if we just wanted to deliverance, we'd allow God to work however he wanted to work. But then we ask God, Lord, I need some breakthrough in my relationship with this girl. He's going to say, sounds good. Y'all going to break up. (laughs) But God, I prayed for a miracle. Look, the greatest miracle that could have happened in that relationship was a breakup. Let me tell you. (laughs) But that's the thing. The reason why we have this mindset is because we want a miracle that will keep us from pain. But God will always give a miracle that will draw us nearer to him. This is the God we serve. And it's hard because just like Don said weeks before that, we worship the the life that's comfortable. We worship the pain-free life. And we start walking with God and say, you know what? I want to be like those Christians. As soon as I start living for God, all of my problems are going to wash away in the sea of forgetfulness. And I'm not going to have to worry about anything anymore but the truth is, in some, in some areas, it gets harder. But we need to remember this truth about God in his process of miracle working. That God, he doesn't, his goal in a miracle isn't for comfort. His goal is for us to get closer to him. His goal for a miracle, he, do, he doesn't want to just free us from pain. He wants to free us from sin. And 99, actually 100% of the time, the process of finding freedom from sin will usually include some pain because we're battling our flesh. We need to start asking the right questions in our suffering, church. What if the toughest situation you're currently facing is the greatest miracle you need right now? I want to share a quick story about uh, our friend Zach Reed. Where's Zach? Everyone turn and wave to Zach and say, "Hi, hi, Zach. See, we're a family. This is normal here at Firm. So I want to share a little bit of what Zach uh, sent me this week, because it's actually really cool. As, this, is how, this is how the Holy Spirit works, guys. He does it, like, through the community. As I was preparing my message, and as I was working on this point right here, I get a Facebook message from Zach. And for those of you who don't know, Zach, he has had five heart surgeries. And one of them was full open heart, right? First of all, can we just give a hand to the Lord for his protection over Zach for all those surgeries? So, Zach has battled with these surgeries, right? So, Zach messaged me and he said this. Before I went in for my third heart surgery, I kept saying, I don't need surgery. God will fix it. That's what miracles are for. When I didn't realize the actual miracle was the doctor, he placed there in my life to fix it for me. So many times we're focused on miracles not involving suffering that we lose track of the fact that it can look like someone or something we don't even expect. That was a good word, bro. And I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as a church family on this topic of miracles and trusting God's process. Because in Zach's mind, on the front hand of the issue, what was his goal in the miracle? To not have any pain. God, if you are who you say you are, just by the snap of a finger, I don't want to have this heart problem anymore. But what was God's goal in the miracle? To place Zach in a position where he can trust God and trust him that he will provide the right doctors to take care of his surgery. And I promise you that Zach probably has gained more trust and closeness to God through the surgeries. We need to trust his process. And many times, church, another thing about the miracle, the miracle is usually way more practical than we think. There was this joke that I learned when I was young. Um, there was this guy, he was drowning, all right? And he's in, he's, he's in the ocean, he's drowning, and he's, he's fighting for his life in this water, and he's praying, God, I need a miracle, save me, save me. I'm about to drown, save me, God. And then, and then a, a speedboat drives by and sees him drowning. The fisherman on the boat says, hey, you're drowning, can I give you a hand? And this man drowning said, nah, I'm good. God's going to save me. So then the, the driver's like, okay, let me just leave him be then. So this guy's drowning. He's like, God, I need a miracle. God, save me from this water. And, they, and then a pontoon comes by, right? And they're like, hey, I see you drowning. Like, let me help you. And it's like, nah, I'm good. Keep doing your boat thing. God's going to save me. Then this man, he's, he, he's tired of swimming. He gets a cramp. He starts going down into the depths of the ocean, and he sees a scuba diver. And this scuba diver is like, hey, right? It's a joke, right? Because you can't talk underwater. (laughs) But just remember, it's a joke. He's like, hey, let me help you up. And this guy drowning pushes him off and says, nah, I'm good. God's going to save me. So then this man ends up dying. So he goes up to heaven and sees God, and he says, "God." What's, what, what's wrong with you? God, I pray that you would save me when I was drowning. And God said, you idiot. I sent a scuba diver and two boats for you, and you said no. And when I thought about this joke, I'm like, dude, we do the same thing with God. Where we're like, God, I want freedom from this depression. I want freedom from this mental illness. But then we're too, we're too good to go to counseling. We're we're too busy to go out with one of the elders' wives to talk about this. Oh, God, I want to find freedom from this pornography. But then you don't want to miss out on your YouTube subscription so you won't get Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is a tool that God is using to set people free, but you're too good for it. No, God, I want a miracle. Come and just take away this desire right now. But, oh, I'm too good for 12-step programs. I don't want to do that. Guys, listen, there are, God provides things practically to meet us where we're at and help us on the process of freedom. And it's it's okay to go and talk to somebody about your problem. It's biblical. As iron sharpens iron, we walk together. We need to position ourselves, church, to receive the miracle as a blessing and not as a curse. Because if you think the miracle is a curse, you will never walk through it in faith. You will actually walk from God. Because here's the sad thing, church. Many people leave the faith because in a moment where God was trying to take them deeper, they received it as God not being there and not loving them. We need to trust his process and we need to trust the outcome. Because it takes faith. In maturity to believe that no matter the outcome of my, the outcome of my prayer, I'm going to trust and believe that God's going to deliver me. And the Israelites were in the same position at the Red Sea where they had no idea what they were getting themselves into walking across that Red Sea, but they had to trust. And God is telling us the same thing, to trust God in the unexpected because the move of God... In the miracle of God, it isn't prosperity. It's life transformation. It's the truth. So there are things we must embrace. And the first thing that we embraced was that the miracle was unexpected. The the second thing we need to embrace about the miracle is that walking through the miracle is deep. Now let's try this again, church. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the miracle is deep. You guys are amazing. (laughs) Verse 22 says this, And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry grounds. It's interesting to me that the miracle happened on the depths of the sea, right? Out of all the different things God chose to do, He chose to lead them through the deepest part of the sea. And I started thinking, I'm like... Why didn't God take care of, why didn't God deliver them on the surface of the sea? Like, think about it. God could have provided some speedboats, right? If he's going to take the time to provide uh, fish and bread for 5,000 people, he can at least provide some speedboats to cross on the sea to get across. He could have provided some angel floaties, I don't know. Give them the supernatural power to go Michael Phelps on them Egyptians. Like, there are a ton of different, he could have did something that we've seen in Scripture, I don't know, give them the power to walk on water. Like, these are things, like, look, God, we're not going to be mad or offended if you going to do this. Like, we need a miracle. Like, it's interesting to me that of all the different ways God chose to deliver them from the Egyptians, it was to go through the depths of the sea. Here's what we need to learn, church. For true freedom to happen, you're going to have to go deep. You're going to have to go deep. And just in case any of you don't know, we don't serve a God of the surface level. We serve a God of the deep. Some scriptures, Daniel uh, 2.22 says he reveals deep and hidden things. 1 Corinthians 2.10 says the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And Isaiah 43, 2 says, when you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. The supernatural work of God, church, will never keep you on the surface. You will never encounter God intimately and greatly on the surface. You never will. God loves to take us deep. So, my family and some of my close friends know this about me, uh, but I've actually suffered greatly with nosebleeds through the years. I've had really bad nosebleeds. And these aren't the nosebleeds where, oh, he got hit in the face with a soccer ball, his nose is bleeding. It's like, no, Breno just chose to scratch his nose and he just got, had a bad nosebleed. Every time we would travel to Brazil, I'd get nosebleeds. Every time uh, I would be on some stronger medicine. I would have nosebleeds. And it was just, I just got used to it, right? And I didn't have them for about about two years. And then I get married. And uh, actually, I I started having nosebleeds again this past year. Um, My first really bad nosebleed uh, was in Zanesville at the youth youth missions trip, um, where I actually passed out on my wife. The nosebleed was so bad, I passed out. What an event for a newlywed couple to go through. Man, it was good. Honestly, my wife was, was, a, was a hero that day. Like, she, she kept it together. I think it would have been worse if it was the opposite. If it was me, then two of us would have passed out. But um, it's a, it's in the, if you know my stories of my dad with blood, you know, I, I'm his son, you know. So, um. So, yeah, I've had really bad nosebleeds, and it started to come up this past March, but then I started to get them again. I started getting them in the office. Um, some of us youth, we try to go to Nottoway for ice cream, and then in the Nottoway, remember that mark? Like, just blood, both sides just coming. Like, let the rivers flow. Like, that's, that's how my nosebleeds get. I don't want to get too deep into it. I don't want anyone passing out. <laughs> um, I'll stop, Dad. <laughs> so, anyways, I had these bad nosebleeds, and... My wife came to me one day and she was like, This is not normal. I'm like, Maybe not for you, but for me it is. Like, this comes with the package, baby, nosebleeds. It comes with Breno. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to deal with it. You know, but, but my wife said, No, this is not normal. I f- Here's a phone number for a no specialist in Kalamazoo, and you're going to schedule an appointment this month. And I say, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm, lear- I'm learning, Donna. I'm learning. <laughs> but honestly, side note, this was a beautiful moment for our marriage. Like, it's great to see that she cared for me in that moment, right? And so I went, I scheduled this nose, this nose doctor appointment, and we go to this doctor in Kalamazoo, and sure enough, the lady was like, yep, this is not normal. Uh, we're going to cauterize your nose. And they didn't even know what, knew what that meant. So I was freaking out. But pretty much what, uh, what cauterizing your nose means is this is not preacher exaggeration. They get a stick about this big <laughs> with, a, with a, a Q-tip on the top. And on this Q-tip, they put, they put some chemicals on it. So I'm like, what, what are you putting on that Q-tip? She's like, oh, just chemicals to burn the cells in your nose. I'm like, Okay. Sounds good. So they, 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 stick, they stick up my nose like I could feel it in the curls of my head how high they took it. And it's not like a COVID test where they just touch it and leave. They, just, they, decided, they decided to camp there. They're like, yeah, we're going to stay right here, take care of these blood cells. And like they numbed my nose. I didn't know you could do that. So I was like, this is so weird. But my wife's there, so I'm trying macho. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, this is, this is super weird. And it was so miserable, guys. Like, I acted like a baby the whole day just because I, I hated it. I hated it. it was, ugh. So I say this, you know, praise God, my nosebleeds have not come since then. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Shout out to my wife. And I, re- I wanted to tell this story because I didn't find the healing I needed until I went deep. Okay? Deep, deep. Like, <laughs> funny, I say deep. I'm like, deep. We went deep. <laughs> and it took me 23 years. Another detail is the doctor told me that they're like, I'm like, is this normal? She's like, yeah, usually we take care of uh, young kids who go through this. We got to do it. But I guess no one, no one noticed that with you. Like, like, I was 23, and they had to take care of this. And You know, one of the reasons why it took me so long to take care of this nose issue because I normalized it. I got used to it. I got used to the nosebleeds so much so that when my wife challenged me to take care of it, I said, it's just a part of who I am. And how many of us, mm, I'm going there, I'm going there, how many of us normalize the sin and the struggles that that we have that we don't even bother taking care of it because it's just part of who we are. Because we struggled so many years with depression, I'm not even going to bother taking care of it because it's just part of my identity. Now we start to attach sin to our identity, a thing that God never promised us to do. And I'm straight up with this morning, some of us are treating depression like our pet. And we walking in and around, we don't leave the house without our pet depression. And then we get used to it, it begins to look cute to us. Like, oh, I'm just going to soak in my depression. I love the attention that I get with it. Oh, there's some type of comfort because I'm so normal, used to it. Some of us here, we, we treat this anger problem we got, we treat this addiction like our wallet. We don't leave the house without it. It's just this anger is part of who I am. I have this last name, so I'm going to deal with this sin for the rest of my life. And then so much so, we begin to believe these lies from the devil, that this is part of our identity, that now we're not even in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit, and where in one season we were convicted by this sin, we're not even convicted anymore. And when you get so deep into a sin, when you normalize it so much, you want to say, oh, God is not helping me anymore. No, you're just not convicted anymore. And you will get to a place that you cross that line of battling with sin and living in sin. It's so normalized. I'm not going to take care of it. But I want to encourage somebody today. I want to call someone up today and say, that is not what God has for you. Because that depression that you've been struggling with, it was handled on that cross. That addiction that you've been battling with, it was handled on that cross. That anger was handled on that cross. God did that, and he intended that so that we can walk in freedom. And the only thing of identity that we take is the name of God. I am a son of God. I'm not a son of addiction. Are you kidding me? I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a daughter of the Most High King you need to receive that identity, stop normalizing the sin that the devil has placed you in and be set free. And you got to handle that sin and go deep. We're going deep today. You want freedom from that addiction, my brother? You got to go deep. You want freedom from depression, my sister? You got to go deep. You want freedom from that bitterness and unforgiveness? You have to go deep. And we're standing here on the shores of the Red Sea. And open up your hands to God and say, God, I'm ready to go deep. And he will take you to the place where you're going to handle and take care of some deep things. Deep things like what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't happen on the surface. That's some deep stuff. What else? Confession. There are some things that have happened in your life, my friends. Some trauma, some events that was not your fault some events that happened, and you have normalized it and believed the lie that it's so deep, it's not worth bringing to the surface. But God is saying, no, I want freedom for you. I've shared this before, but I've struggled many years with pornography and masturbation. And a shift began to happen the more I confessed. The more confession that happened, the more freedom that happened. And it had to come to a place where I had to be so desperate for freedom that I had to tell somebody that at five years old I was molested by my neighbor. That was a part of the process of healing. And the, the response I got from that wasn't shame. It wasn't condena- condemnation. It was embrace and it was love. Yeah. Guys, talk to someone. If you've been through something like that, talk to someone. Talk to one of us. We will embrace you. God is going to take us deep. What other things? He's going to take us into deep things like repentance. That is deep. Maybe the reason why you still struggle with anger is because you haven't repented of that. What if the only thing holding you and your wife back from a beautiful relationship is forgiveness and repentance? Like you're try, you, you, you trying to watch the... the episodes to help you help your marriage? What if it's deeper than that? Because you can go to as many counseling sessions as you book, but until you go deep into the roots and take care of that forgiveness, take care of that repentance, that's the only place you're going to begin to find real change. God wants to take us deep, church. And the truth about it is, no one wants to be on the front side of a miracle but I would rather walk through the storms of a miracle than lay in chains for the rest of my life. And I just stay, I, I leave that with a question. How desperate are you? I was desperate for freedom. I wanted a pure marriage. I didn't want that sin, that nasty stuff to fall into my marriage. I was desperate. I was tired of feeling empty. Are you desperate this morning? Are you desperate for that freedom? Because it's available, you're going to have to go deep. So there are some heavy things that we're revealing this morning at the miracle. But the beautiful thing is it's a miracle. So on the other side, it's a beautiful thing. So please continue to walk with me. So, so far, we've revealed and embrace that the miracle was unexpected and the miracle was deep. The third thing is walking through the miracle revealed commitment. Let's try it again, church. Go to your other neighbor and say, The miracle revealed commitment. So the Red Sea was a moment of no turning back. Stepping into the Red Sea was a step into full commitment to God's plan. Right, so they just, they just experienced a miracle, like a supernatural event that was unexpected. They're like, this is weird, right? And now they see the bottom of the Red Sea, a place that they'd never been before. And in that moment, they had to make a decision. Am I going to step into this sea or am I going to die and go back to Egypt? It's interesting to me. In this moment, there was not a lot of options. Like, you either walked through the Red Sea or you got killed by some Egyptians. Like, decide fast. Like, you had to make a choice in this moment. It's interesting, the Red Sea, walking through the Red Sea, that was a choice that they made. Because the Red Sea could have split open and Moses was like, nah. I'm good. I give up. But no, it had to be a choice of like, okay, in this moment, I'm going to commit myself to the hand of God. And at the Red Sea, what I have learned from this point right here is that at the Red Sea, there was no room for compromise. All right? No, God, I see that. I see that the Red Sea split. Good job. But like, can we... Here, why don't you just close the sea again, and let's go talk to Pharaoh and settle, like, an agreement for us to, like, be a slave part of the week and not be a slave. Or it's like, okay, cool, God, like, great job, the Red Sea thing, I like it, but what if we tried a gateway to go across the Red Sea and just hide in the bushes for a week? You know, there was no compromise in this moment. You either walked through or you didn't. And here's what I began to see, church. God has been splitting some red seas for us. God has been splitting some red seas in your life. But it's up to you if you're going to walk through it. And there has never been a greater time to get right with God. Here's why. Like I said, God's been splitting some seas for his people, but there is a group of believers that have been missing out on the miracle because they are too worried about missing out on the world. Many of us miss out on God because we're too worried about missing out on the world. God, I want freedom. But I got to stop going to those places. God, I want to be set free, but I got to stop talking to those people. God, I I want to be set free, but I got to stop watching that. We're afraid of missing out. And the crazy thing is, there's been moments in your life where God has moved tremendously. It moved so great in your life. But because you wanted to stay comfortable in what the world had to offer, you missed out. And this is my fear that people are missing out on what God is doing because we don't want to miss out on the world. And then when we're in this place as believers of God where a Red Sea is split, we need to be careful not to compromise in that moment because there's probably been a good amount of time in your walk with God where you've been able to just walk and stay quiet and not be in a tough, bold position. But if you haven't gone through it yet, it's coming. It's a part of walking with God. And here's the problem about compromise. Compromise is an offense to the word of God. And it's an offense to, to God himself. And I feel like I've I've been seeing some compromises happen that I know grieve the Holy Spirit. And one big compromise I've seen is the issue of God being love. God is love. God is love. I agree with you. I believe that statement with all of my heart that God is love. But God's love will never cater to my sin and it will never accept the sinful lifestyle that I choose to live in. God's love will always lead me to repentance and it will always transform me to be more like Christ. And then for us to say that God's love accepts my sin and accept the lifestyle I choose to live in is the same thing by saying that there was no point in that cross. Because that was the reason why Jesus came. It's because we were not living according to what God called us to live. So we lived in our sin. So there needed to be sacrifice for the sin that you and I were walking in. That's why Jesus came. So for us to say that we can live however we want to live, we can be with whoever we want to be with, we can do whatever we want to do because God is love, it's like a slap in the face to Jesus. So how do, we, how do we love? How do we not compromise the love of God? How do I love in 2022 like Christ? And it's simple. The same way that Jesus loved the woman at the well. Did Jesus condemn the woman at the well? No. Did he shame the woman at the well? No. But did he accept the sinful lifestyle that she was living in? She didn't. But he also embraced her. And he says, I see your struggle with men. I see your battle, but come here. What I have for you is so much more satisfying, so much more life transforming. I know that this walk is narrow, but it's going to change your life. And it's going to change you for the better. And that is how we love today, church. Because God calls us to love everyone. But God's love also comes with the responsibility to be honest and to walk with people and encourage them to be transformed in Jesus Christ. Because I believe that we serve a God that loves to transform. I believe that we serve a God that loves to look at a dead body and say, I'm going to bring it back to life. I know that we serve a God that saw a woman at a well dating five men and saying, I'm going to satisfy her heart. I know that we serve a God that sees the brokenness of the world and says, I want to deliver some people. I want to heal some people. I want to set some people free. That's the God I serve. Let's just take a moment to praise God. That is who he is. He's a deliverer. He's a chain breaker. He's a way maker, and I believe it. And I'm going to stand on that. And I'm I'm devoting my life to the gospel that says Jesus' love doesn't accept my sin, but Jesus' love sets me free from sin. There's a clear difference, and I stand on that gospel. This Red Sea revealed some commitment, and I believe that God is taking us to a deeper level of commitment as a church because individually and corporately, you and I, we have faced some heavy circumstances on every level. Whether it was COVID, losing loved ones, disease, addiction, whatever it is, we have faced some heavy circumstances that make us feel fearful and vulnerable. Don said last week that circumstances sensitize us to God's presence. And it's true. But circumstances also reveal our commitment to God. Circumstances don't cause a lack of commitment It just reveals the level of commitment in your life. And I encourage you, when you are stuck in a circumstance where it seems hopeless and it seems like there's no way out, that's the moment to tap into the Holy Spirit. That's the moment you got to tap into God, tap into the Word of God, because God wants to transform you in a moment where the world wants to kill you where the when a moment where the world wants to make you feel fearful is the same moment where God wants you to deepen your faith. Commitment Church. Cuz another thing we must remember that the world's position and response to the move of God will always contradict ours. Look at this story, the Red Sea. This Red Sea splitting was a moment for the Israelites to celebrate and be excited. But that was a moment that the Egyptians were so mad and furious. So we need to get used to the truth that when we celebrate, the, it, it's going to seem like the world ended for the world. And that's just part of walking with God. But I want to be where God wants me. And I know that God's going to keep moving, guys. God is going to keep moving. He's going to keep splitting some Cs. You just need to decide if you're going to be a recipient of the miracle or a rebuker of it. It's a simple choice. Am I going to walk through this miracle or not? Some heavy things we're embracing, but I believe this Holy Spirit is doing something this morning. I believe freedom needs to happen this morning. One last thing that we need to embrace with this miracle of the Red Sea is that the miracle comes with provision. I'm going to do it one more time. I'm going to stop being annoying. Turn to your other neighbor and say, the miracle miracle. comes with provision. You guys are amazing Five gold stars, I tell you what. Verse 22, it says, the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground. Everyone say dry ground. Bro, what? Dry ground? A sea split and the ground was dry. I looked at this and I'm like, okay, God, if I was there, I wasn't going to complain if the ground is a little wet. You know what I mean? God, if if you would have split the sea and the ground was a little muddy and my shoes would get dirty, I'm not going to be upset. I would if it was these shoes, though. (laughs) But I'd probably be in some Jesus sandals back then. So I wouldn't be that mad if the ground was a little wet. But no, God decided to be God, take the extra step and be like, you know what, I'm going to give them some dry ground. This was so interesting to me. And what this means to me is that God provided them the dry ground they needed to walk across, and they exceeded their expectations. Ephesians three twenty and 21 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to him is a power that is at work within us. God will always exceed our expectations on the walk of obedience. When you surrender yourself to walking through the miracle, trusting that God is going to make a way, he will honor your obedience and surrender and he will exceed your expectations every time. I know that we're talking about some deep stuff this morning like forgiveness, repentance, and not compromising the word of God. But when you choose to walk on that narrow path, everything you need plus a little extra is going to be there for you. I can attest to that truth. And if you honor God, he'll honor you. I say this all the time, but it's so true. If you honor God, He'll honor you. If you do your best in life to please God, to honor him, you're going to see some honor in return. And I believe believe that this was a beautiful moment. It doesn't say this specifically, but how I interpret it is like, wow, how beautiful is it of that, you know, God saw his people's faithfulness in this moment to trust him and to walk through the Red Sea. And I see God honoring them by providing the dry ground that they needed to walk across. The provision of dry dry ground is a moment of God exceeding our expectations. And not only will you get through the miracle, but you're going to experience his goodness and his provision, and you're going to grow through it. Because here's one thing I know about my God. Not only will he give dry ground where it should be wet, but he's going to give joy where there should be sadness. God is going to give satisfaction where there should be emptiness. God is going to give some peace where there should be anxiety. God's going to give healing where there should be pain. God is going to bring unity where there should be division. God is going to bring freedom where there should be change. And that freedom is available right now in this moment. You have to make the choice. Am I going to walk through this miracle? Am I going to walk through this sea? I know that this miracle was unexpected, but God, I trust you. I know that I'm going to have to go deep, but I'd rather go deep than stay in my sin and all my shame. God, I trust you in this moment. And I believe that this morning God is taking us to a whole nother level of trusting him at the Red Sea. Such a beautiful story. Of God's mighty hand on his people. In a situation of impossible desperation, church, God acted mightily to deliver his people. And nothing can change that. And I believe many of us are in this moment of impossible desperation where we feel like there's no hope. You've been battling with this addiction for years, and you just feel like there's no hope. You've been battling in your marriage, and you feel like there's no hope. You, 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 you thought you've been faithful, but you're not seeing the fruit of that faithfulness. My brother, my sister, God has positioned you in a place where you're have, gonna have to make the choice to trust Him and really surrender your whole life to Him. You guys stand with me in this place. I believe God's moving in this place. I believe that there is a new level of freedom and liberty available right here, right now. And just as the Red Sea split, they had to move fast. When that Red Sea split, Scripture doesn't say they encamped in the middle of the sea for two weeks and took their time. What does Scripture say? All day, all night, they walked through right away. And I want to give us an opportunity to respond. Each and every one of us. So I don't want you to wait on tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. If you haven't made that decision to get right with God, make that decision today. If you've tried your whole life to find freedom and you've made it to the edge of the Red Sea. But all you've done from that point is turn around and go back. God wants to push you forward today. God is splitting some seas for you today to walk through. And I know that we brought up some heavy things this this morning, but I, I can attest to the truth that some of the most powerful and great moments I've had with God were in places where God revealed the ugliest things in my heart. And this is part of walking with God. So I want to give an opportunity. We're going to take our time for God to set some people free. So I don't know where you're at in your journey on the Red Sea. I don't know where your journey is at with, with, with God. But I want to give this moment and give an opportunity for you to come to the altar and pray with somebody. Like just like as my wife was saying earlier, I believe God wants to do a miracle. God wants to do a miracle. And as a church, we receive that and I encourage you to receive it as well by coming to the altar, whatever that looks like. So just pray with me and we're going to take some time to work with God. Holy Spirit, come and move. Holy Spirit, come and speak. God, I pray that you move in this place. And if there's anyone here, God, that needs a touch from you, whether it's a freedom from an addiction, a forgiveness struggle, or even just need a touch of encouragement, God, I pray that you move right now in this place. In Jesus' name.
1: When the road runs dead, you can see a way I don't. And it makes no sense, you say that's what faith is.
0: Spirit wants me to share uh, this story from scripture is when the this is years after the Red Sea and Joshua was leading the people through Jericho and God called them to walk around seven times for it to fall and maybe you're here this morning
1: you get off
0: Maybe you're here this morning and you've walked around five times and you're discouraged. You've walked around six times and you're discouraged. But God's waiting for that seventh time. Maybe God's trying to work on your faith. I know you've walked through four, five, six times, but the walls didn't come down until that seventh time. The walls didn't come down until seven you're so close to that freedom from vaping? What if you're so close from that freedom? What if you're so close to that breakthrough? Well, you just got to walk around one more time. What if you're so close? So we're going to sing again. We're going to take some more time. What if you're this close to freedom? Let's sing that bridge. You pulled my heart from Egypt. You
1: carved the road through i hey.
0: God, you are worthy to open up the scroll. You are worthy, God. Jesus, we expect you to come and change this world when, on your second return. Jesus, you're coming back. Jesus, you are returning for your bride. And we, we have great expectations for that day. And we wait on that day, God. But until that day comes, we will stand firm. And what you called us to do and that is to be a light in the world yes. God you did not call us to keep a lamp basket over our lamp in our light you've called us to shine God you have called us to love those who are unloved you have called us to clothe those who needed something on their back that's what you've called us to do we are your church God. and we will not wait for the church next door to do it we're gonna we're not gonna wait for another religion to get radical and passionate, we're going to come in the front lines and say, we have a mission. Matthew 28, God, you've given us a, vi- a mission to preach the gospel, to make disciples in all nations, God. And we will continue to do that, God, until your second return. God, I just want to take a moment and pray for Firm Foundation Ministries. I pray that you take us to a new level of revival. I pray that you take us to a new level of worship, that you take us to a new level of prayer, that you take us to a new level of prophecy and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just pray protection over this ministry from the works of the enemy, God. I pray for this church, God. I pray you take us deeper, God. Take us through the Red Sea, God, and do a great thing, God. We give you praise, glory, and honor this morning. And in Jesus' name, everyone say, amen. amen. Let's give a amen. hand to the Lord. Amen. amen. We're going to we're gonna have the altar available if you'd like to come and still do some work with God. But if not, thank you so much for joining us, worshiping God, and we will see you next week. Have a great day.